love the title this evening. It's called How to Start Life Over Again. I know there's been times when I wish that I could do that. Do you ever notice how small children are always looking ahead? They seem eager to get to the future. They want to get older and they want to grow up fast. And did you ever notice how older people always seem to be looking back? How they get all sentimental about the good old days? They love to remember birthdays and other special events. And they have special memories. Of course, not everybody likes looking ahead to the future or back to the past because many people feel guilty about things in their past or they have regrets about decisions that they've made or maybe there are hurtful things in the past that are hard to think about. Some things are embarrassing and some things make us sad and not everyone likes looking ahead because the future looks scary. We might worry where we'll get the money we need or we might have poor health. The best advice about the past or the future is not to worry about them. Why? Because worrying about them will not change anything. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could go out to the desert and dig a great big hole and bury all those things from our past? I'm here tonight to tell you that this is totally possible. You can start life over again. And to tell you how, I'm going to begin by sharing the final words that Jesus spoke just before leaving this earth after he'd ministered here for three and a half years. Jesus' farewell words to his disciples were important. They were given just before ascending to heaven. Matthew 28:19 and 20 tells us, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Baptism must be important because it was part of Christ's farewell. Did you know that baptism is mentioned 80 times in the New Testament? There's much confusion about the method of baptism. One method is sprinkling drops of water, which is usually done on babies. Another is to pour water on a child 10 or 11 years old. Some baptize by completely submerging adults underwater. Then there is a rose petal baptism or an oil baptism. And there's even a dry hand baptism on a child, which I guess we could call the dry cleaning method. What does the Bible teach about baptism? Is baptism really that important? And does it make a difference how a person is baptized? Well, Jesus told Nicodemus how important baptism was. John 3.5 says, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of the water and the spirit. It must be very important. Mark 16.16 says, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. So Jesus links belief and baptism and salvation together. What method of baptism does the Bible teach? Ephesians 4, 5 says, One Lord, 
one faith, one baptism. So the Bible says there's only one method of baptism. Let's return to the days of Jesus. We'll discover Christ's method of burying the past and starting a new life and eliminating guilt. We read in Matthew 3, 5, and 6, where John the Baptist preached, Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. John preached out in the desert near the Jordan River. Thousands came to hear him preach, and there they confessed their sins. John would then lead them to the river, and they were baptized under the water by immersion. Jesus also came to hear John and to be baptized, not because he had sinned, but as an example for you and me. Matthew 3.16 continues, saying, He went up out of the water. So if Jesus came up out of the water, that means he had gone down into the water. He went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. As you're being baptized, God also says, This is my beloved daughter or son, in whom I am well pleased. When Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit, like a dove, hovered over him, and he received power from the Holy Ghost. It is a symbol of cleansing and forgiveness. Bible baptism is always by immersion, never by sprinkling or pouring. Do you remember the Ethiopian? The Ethiopian was an intellectual and a very wealthy man. He was the treasurer of the queen of Ethiopia. He came to Jerusalem to worship. He studied Isaiah 53 about the Messiah, but he didn't understand. God led Philip to the chariot, and he explained to the Ethiopian the prophecies about the Messiah. The Bible says in Acts 8:36-38, Now as they traveled down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went into the water, and he baptized him. First the Ethiopian learned the word of God about salvation, and then he was baptized. Bible baptism is a beautiful symbol of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Romans 6.3 says, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Romans 6.4 continues by saying, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Baptism is also the burial of our sins in the watery grave of baptism, and our sins are gone. I don't care if you're a drug addict or an alcoholic or whatever. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
The verse continues by saying, but the gift of God is eternal life. Baptism is really the dividing point in our lives. We die to the past life, and then there is a resurrection to a new life in Christ. If you visited old churches, they reveal the Bible method of baptism. We're going to go on a short little trip, and we're going to visit some of those early churches. Our first stop is in Philippi. Paul established the early church there in the first century. These ruins date to the fourth century. You can see the baptistry. Christians were baptized by immersion. Now we're going to go to Rome, the church of St. John Lateran. This was the second most famous church in Rome. In the back of the church is a baptistry. Adult believers were baptized by immersion. Now let's visit the famous architectural monument, which is the Leaning Tower of Pisa. In the back of the Leaning Tower is the baptistry. Our Roman Catholic friends were baptized by immersion over 1,300 years ago. We're going to go on to Geneva, Switzerland now. Here in the headquarters of the World Council of Churches, there is a fresco from Africa dating back to the 4th century. That fresco portrays Jesus' baptism. It shows how the 4th century Christians understood baptism by immersion. So when did the baptism of babies begin? Notice the statement on the screen. It says, It was not until the Council of Ravenna in A.D. 1311 that sprinkling and pouring were officially accepted as equally valid as immersion in the rite of baptism. At that time, the church in Rome decided to accept baptism by sprinkling. The church also concluded that babies were guilty of Adam's sin. Thus, if a baby died without being baptized, they were not saved. Baptizing babies for the sin of Adam is unsupported in the Bible. The reality is, a baby cannot believe or repent. What does baptism mean? The Greek word baptizo means to dip, to immerse, or to plunge under water. Baptism in the Bible is always totally under the water. The Bible asks the next question in Acts 2.37. Men and brethren, what shall we do? In other words, how do you know if you're ready for baptism? How do you know God is leading you? Let me share something with you. The Bible lists three steps to salvation. The first is to repent. For the Bible tells us that when we come to Jesus, we repent. When we say to God, I'm sorry for what I've done, then he looks at his son on the cross. He sees that we have a change of attitude towards sin, and he accepts our repentance. The Bible says in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Is a baby old enough to repent? No. Next, which is the second step, we need to believe. The Bible tells us in Acts 38.37, Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, 
you may be baptized. So if I repent and then believe that Jesus died for my sins, I can be baptized. Christ will come into your life and change you. Once we repented and then we believe, the third step is to learn. The Bible says that before baptism, we learn. We would not want to be baptized into a church until we learn, would we? Acts 2.41 says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. The verse continues by saying, And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. If you've been coming to these meetings and you're receiving God's word, then don't wait any longer. Be baptized. If there are still questions, then let's learn together. Let's review the steps to baptism. First, we repent. Second, we believe and accept Christ as our Savior. Third, we learn the essentials of biblical faith. Then, we make the decision to be baptized. Some people might be asking, does baptism mean becoming part of Christ's church? They say that they want to be baptized, but they don't want to join the church. Well, let's look and see what the Bible says. Let's look at Acts 2.47. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. 1 Corinthians 12.3 also tells us, For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Colossians 1.18 adds, And he is the head of the body, the church. So when we are baptized, we become part of God's commandment-keeping people. Then together, we will await the second coming of Jesus. It's thrilling to see people respond to the Holy Spirit. These same meetings are being held here and around the world. It's exciting to see people respond to the calling. All across the United States and in beautiful island countries, the gospel is being preached. And I've had the privilege of going to one of those countries. I went to Cuba. I've been there twice, and we have preached the gospel there, and it was thrilling. At the close of each meeting, people were invited to accept Jesus. At one location, over 3,000 precious souls were baptized. Can you imagine that? Thousands more have made decisions to prepare for baptism. On the other side of the world is Papua New Guinea. Look at the baptismal. Wouldn't it be great to see that here, that many people? About 60,000 people gathered in the open to study God's word. They slept on the ground for 10 days. I can't imagine. Sometimes I think it's hard for us to get in our car and drive one or two miles to come to a church, and these people have come and slept on the ground for 10 days so that they could study God's word. Here's a speaker giving the same message we're giving here tonight. We're told that no one comes to God unless they're called by him. Can you see why you're here tonight? In the afternoon in a nearby river, thousands more were also baptized. There were so many that there was no place to see the entire baptism. Finally, a helicopter was offered for an aerial view. As you can see, a thrilling sight where precious souls were being baptized. 
The Bible says in Acts 22:16, And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So why do you wait, friends? Is there anything to wait for? Have you accepted Jesus? Then don't wait any longer. Decide to be baptized. If you've learned new truths from these meetings about the Sabbath and the state of the dead, then you have learned that it is time. Even if you've already been baptized from another faith and you feel you never had this new relationship with Christ, this is your time. During the days of ancient Israel, when Israel was led from Egypt, God commanded that the blood of the sacrificial lamb be applied to the doorpost. If the blood was there, the angel of death would fly over. A boy says to his father, I understand that all the firstborn sons are supposed to be slain. Father, I'm the firstborn son. Is the blood on our doorpost? The father tells his son, Not yet, but it will be. But Father, I'm worried. And his his father replies, Don't worry, son. It's just a symbol. Father, please put the blood on the doorpost. The blood on the doorpost is a symbol of Christ in this home. So the angel of death would pass by. Just a symbol. Yet just as vitally important is the symbol of baptism. Friends, have you repented of your sin? Do you believe Christ is your Savior? Do you want to make the decision to walk in the water and follow his example? Jesus is asking you to make that decision right now. Is God leading you at this moment to make a decision to follow him in baptism? Then I want to invite you to follow in Jesus' footsteps and be baptized. You can walk into the water and your sins and your guilt will be gone. You can come up out of the water new, clean, with a fresh start. You can say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to be cleansed from sin and be filled with your Holy Spirit. I want to leave my old past behind and begin again with you. Nobody can make this decision for you. That's why God is touching your heart right now. If you've never been baptized by immersion before, take this opportunity to decide to do it. If you have been baptized by immersion and have drifted away from Christ, then take this opportunity to come back. If you've been baptized by immersion, but you've not known God's Bible truth, this is God's opportunity for you to make that decision. Thank you, Glenda. I have concluded. The first most important decision I've ever made in my life was when I said yes to Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. My second most important decision was when I popped the question to Annetta, would you marry me? And after that, we had an engagement period. That period where I met her family and she had met my family and we got better acquainted with each other and each other's families and considered the commitment. And then finally the day came when we had the wedding. And really baptism is like that, isn't it? 
where we said, Lord, I cannot save myself. I want to commit my life to you. You alone can save me. You alone can be my Savior, my Lord. I cannot be who I am and what you've made me to be without you. And so we say yes to Jesus Christ. And then we have, as it were, an engagement period, a spiritual engagement period, a time where we have an opportunity to consider what does it mean to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And then the day comes. And you remember it. Many of you here can relate to this. The day when you took your stand in baptism. And so here is an opportunity for us to dedicate our lives anew to start again. I'd like to invite you to please stand for prayer. Jesus, there are some who have made their decision tonight to follow Christ. We thank you for each one who's responded to the pleading of the Holy Spirit in their hearts. We thank you that you've promised to cleanse us from our sins and to cover us with your robe of righteousness. Please be very close to each of these who have decided to be baptized. Father, we thank you for loving, forgiving, and saving us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.